Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Jacob Buer Show. I am honored to have on Jean Kirst, who is the former Deputy Prime Minister of Canada and former Premier of Quebec. How are you doing today? And did I pronounce the name right? Well, Jacob, I'm, I'm delighted to join you. And most of the people just pronounce my name Jean, like Jean. It sounds like, G, it's written like Jean in English. And it's Charest, how we say it in French. Charest, Jean Charest. And if you say it that way, that'll be fine. But if you just say hello and how are you, that'll be fine too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, <laughs> it's wonderful I get to have a guest on that's so knowledgeable and has held different positions in another country and to be able to have them on my podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you. So my first question is, how did you get involved in government? I started uh, on a student council, as most people do who end up in public life. I was the president of my student council in high school. And then I was involved at the college level and university level. And then I ran for the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada federally in 1984. I come from a conservative family from way back all the way to my great grandfather. So I ran in that campaign with Prime Minister Brian Mulroney and we swept the country. We won a majority in a wave of support the time people were very much uh, looking for some change and uh, and I was lucky in that way because I, I rode that wave into uh, into getting myself elected in 84 at the age of 26 years old. Awesome and you know what was it like serving in parliament when you first got elected you're from Sherbrooke. Um, yeah. What was it like what was your first few years like in office? Well, it was fascinating because the prime minister uh, named me as an assistant deputy speaker in the house. Now, this is to understand it: the British parliamentary system. It's uh, it's a parliamentary system different from the Republican one in the United States. And so, the prime minister gets to name the deputy speakers i was out of four uh, the last one on that pecking order and the first two years were fascinating because it was an opportunity for me to learn firsthand how the house of commons operated and how parliament operates and so it was a great school to start my my career at, on and it served me very well for the rest of my political career and um you know as you kept on running and staying in parliament and everything ended up becoming an opposition leader. What was it like being an opposition leader? Um, in America, we would more relate that to being the minority party in control and being the leader, something like that. What, what is it like in Canada being an opposition leader in parliament? Well, it's a concept that is uh, not very familiar to most Americans, but in the British parliamentary system, the minority party is called the opposition party, the official opposition which means that their job is to keep the government accountable as the minority does in Congress or in your Senate. And so uh, I, uh, I was in government the first years of my political career. I was a minister at 28 years old and then uh, minister of 
of youth to start with, then, then the prime minister added sport, and then he added deputy house leader. I resigned in 1990 from my job because of uh, a misstep that I had done about calling a judge and returned as Minister of Environment. But then I became, after the defeat of 1993, there was a huge, Jacob, a huge political defeat for the progressive conservatives. We went from government, I was the deputy prime minister at the time, we went from government, 169 members in the House of Commons, down to two members only the day after the election campaign. And so then I became the leader of the progressive conservatives. And then I went on to Quebec politics in 1997 uh, to be the leader of the Liberal Party of Quebec. And I was leader of the opposition, as we were talking about a moment ago, uh, for four years before I was finally elected premier of Quebec. Think of in, in equivalencies being governor of a big state, governor of Texas, governor of California, but a, a big, because Quebec is a big province, second biggest province. 12 million people now, if I'm correct. Eight million people, 80% of them French speaking uh, people. And so I became premier of that province in 2003 and, and was reelected two other times and, and was in that uh, job until 2012. And um, just going back real quick, what was it like being Minister of Environment? And then which would be a lot like EPA Commissioner in America? Yep. And then so what was that like? It, it was very uh, interesting uh, time, a very interesting time. The EPA administrator at the time was a gentleman named Bill Riley, who I've, I've stayed in touch with. We became good friends. Uh, and he was the EPA administrator for Bush father at the time. This is 1991. So it was 30 years ago. Back when we had President George H.W. Exactly. Now, what was interesting about that period of time, Jacob, was that it was leading into the Earth Summit that was held in 1992 in Rio, which is a major, major international event, an event about the economy and the environment, really a two-week uh, meeting that changed my life. I mean, being Minister of the Environment for me changed me. I mean, at the time. And that's where the Climate Change Convention was adopted, the treaty. It was signed on to. Canada was the first uh, G7 country to sign on to that treaty and the Treaty on Biodiversity. And uh, so it, uh, the, being Minister of the Environment for me in Canada really, for me, was a, a transformational experience. And one of the biggest moments that you would probably say in your time in all together in government. Very much so. And for me, he, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, finish, finish your question on that. Well, I was going to say for me, it was, it was one of the best periods of my political life, uh, Jacob. It was exciting. We were changing things. Canada was in the lead worldwide on the environment back then. Prime Minister Mulroney, under who I served, was very interested in this issue and, and by far the most forward-looking leader of the G7 on, on the environment at the time. So it uh, gave me a lot of leeway in terms of advancing issues in, in regards to the environment, sustainable development, which is a relatively new concept, economic instruments, uh, which uh, today we call carbon taxes or otherwise. So it's, it was a fascinating period. 
Interesting. And then after that, he went on to, before you became premier, you were the deputy prime minister for a little bit. What is that like? Um, I guess in America, we would sort of be a lot like vice president. Yep. Um, of course, if the member or the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but if the prime minister was sick or something, you would temporarily take over those duties. What was it like being deputy prime minister and how did you get to that spot? Well, I ran for the leadership of the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada and the job of prime minister when the incumbent prime minister, Brian Mulroney, decided to leave office after nine years. There was a leadership race to replace him. It's sort of like a primary if you want. And uh, there were a whole field of candidates and uh, the principal was a, a lady named Kim Campbell. And and there was a convention held in Ottawa and she beat me out by a hundred votes on the last ballot. And then uh, I became the deputy prime minister of her government, a minister of industry and a minister of economic development in Quebec. It's the, the job of deputy prime minister in Canada is much less defined than the job of vice president in the United States. It's less formal. And so, but it nonetheless is a very important signal that here is someone in the government who counts and uh, who has the confidence of the prime minister, obviously. So that was a, was a very, uh, for me, important experience, though it wasn't a long mandate because I was in the job from June until uh, the end of uh, November, something like that. And then there was a change in government. And what were some of the things that you got? I know you were only there for a few months. What were some of the things that you got to do when you were deputy prime minister? Did you ever do a lot of traveling to meet with other leaders of countries? Or did you focus more on the parliamentary side of things in Canada? We, uh, we, we actually, uh, the, the parliament was never called back after the June leadership race. And we focused on preparing the election campaign. That was 80% of what we did. We knew we were going into an election campaign and we had to prepare. And so in, in our system, it wasn't fixed dates. It's left to the discretion of the prime minister to dissolve the house and go into a campaign. And the maximum you can do is five years, but you know you could dissolve the parliament after three years if you wanted to, or four years. And Kim Campbell decided that she wanted to dissolve the parliament in November, in uh, October, and then we went into a campaign. So it was a fairly short tenure. Interesting. And then, of course, Kim Campbell, I don't want to get into this too much because I have other questions. She was just done for a short period of time, yeah. if I am correct, for like less than nine months or somewhere around that. And then afterwards, you ended up, I believe, running again in 1998. Yep. And then well, at, what was that like? Well, after she left, I became the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party. And the, actually, the most important event that followed that was a referendum in Quebec by, led by a separatist government asking Quebecers to vote to separate from the rest of Canada and form a, an independent sovereign nation country. And it was a very tight outcome. I, I was uh, a leader of the Federalist forces at the time. And, uh, you know, on the election day, 94% of eligible voters, Jacob, voted on that day, 94%. And the difference in the outcome was 0.5% in favor of the Federalist side. 
So it was extremely tight. And then, and, and so I was, I was part of that, which gave me a lot of profile. And then I, I ran in the 1997 federal campaign as the leader of the Progressive Conservatives. We went from two members of parliament to 20. And then in 1998, uh, I was drafted to go and become leader of the Liberal Party of Quebec, which at the time was a coalition of federalists in Quebec. I was really going on to lead the federalist forces in Quebec in opposition to the separatist forces in Quebec. That was the, the story. First campaign actually was very tough for me because I was new and uh, I, I, was, uh, I won the popular vote, but uh, lost the majority of seats. And then in 2003, I became premier. We won the campaign. And, you know, what were some of your favorite moments when you became premier of Quebec? Um, I did a little bit of research on it. Of course, it's, we mentioned a little bit earlier, it's a lot like being governor or something like that. Yeah. Um, you have an official residence, uh, like how governors have an official residence at the state capitol or near the state capitol. And you're basically the person in charge governing that nation. What was that all like? Well, not nation, let me get well, clear, Providence, not nation. Well, our federal system, Jacob, is different from the American one. Canada is one of the most decentralized countries in the world. So the provinces have powers that are almost equivalent of that of a sovereign independent country. For example, we have all the powers over natural resources. The provinces run healthcare, they run education, they run the, you know, the road system and the federal government in Canada is like a holding company. They, uh, they transfer money by blocks, but they don't run uh, the day-to-day -day operations of the country. It's the provinces who do that. And so it, it was very, uh, it was interesting. So just to you know, put it in lay terms, uh, a provincial premier has, who has a majority government has more powers than an American governor in terms of what's decided within his state or in Canada within the province. He has a great deal of power. So it was very interesting. We did a number of things. We changed labor laws to make them more flexible. We uh, reduced taxes. Uh, we, uh, we brought in some number of measures on the environment that were very significant because it's something I cared a lot about. And we initiated uh, you know, uh, RFP to uh, develop uh, 3000 megawatts of wind power, for example. We started that in, I think, 2004. 2004. And so there was a whole series of things that we did that I was very proud of until the 2007 campaign. I went into an election a bit earlier in 2007 and we almost lost. I, we came out of it with a minority government uh, that we uh, were that I was at the head of until 2008, and then 2008 went into a new campaign and got a majority. Uh, and we, I, I was in that majority position until 2012, and in 2012 I was defeated uh, by uh, the separatist party, who formed they formed a minority uh, uh, government at the time. Interesting. Um, which, by the way, of course, in America, uh, for for listeners who will later be listening to this, um, in America, you do not have any special election or anything like that that happens, well, unless somebody resigns or something. But 
you don't really have something where you get to decide just in the middle, you know, it's either the midterms or presidential cycles and you have things like that, unless somebody resigns. So that's the difference in America compared to Canada when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, Just a few other questions I do have for you because I don't take up too much of your day. Um, One of it being, did you ever do a lot of traveling and working with trade with other countries on things when you were premier? I was very involved in international matters and did a number of them. When I was, first of all, when I was in federal politics, we negotiated a side agreement to NAFTA, Bill Riley, uh, Secretary Colosio in the United States, who at the time was the Secretary of Environment on NAFTA, an environmental agreement on NAFTA. And we did a lot of work with our American neighbors, in particular on the Clean Air Act and the amendments of 1990 to the Clean Air Act to uh, try to better control SO2 emissions, which was a huge success, a huge success. And uh, one of the great accomplishments between the Bush father government and, and the Canadian government of Brian Mulroney. And then uh, when I was in uh, provincial politics, uh, I also did a lot of international work. We did with the state of California, a carbon trading system uh, with California, uh, which is one of the only trading systems in North America. Uh, I did with Europe, I'm the one who initiated a Canada-Europe trade agreement. So we have a free trade agreement with Europe. I did a labor mobility agreement with France between Quebec and France. Great, fascinating story. If you're a doctor in France, you're a doctor in Quebec. If you're an engineer in Quebec, you're an engineer in France. The idea, Jacob, was to make it as seamless as possible for people to move between both places and to live there and work there because we need people. You know, we have labor shortages. And so those are a few of the international things I did that, that I'm, I'm quite proud of and, and I think made a difference in our lives. Um, which is very, first off, congratulations on, on all those achievements that you had in your years of um, government. And just one final question I do have is, where do you see um, Quebec's future going? as well as Canada's future going in the future, do you see, um, where do you see it moving more towards? And, and when I mean that, where do you see it moving more towards with getting along with America, of course, we have good alliances, I'd say for the most part, um, but where do you see it going in the future? Well, we're at a very interesting talk. Well, that's it. We're very close to each other. I'm talking to you from a place that's 20 kilometers away from the border of Vermont. And uh, our our relationship with the United States is very close. And uh, you are, Americans are our closest ally, our friends, uh, trading partners. And we're very lucky, I mean, to have each other. I mean, it's a pretty good neighborhood. So whatever our future will be made of, the United States will always figure very prominently in that relationship. And, uh, and as we look ahead to uh, the future, I, I'm, I'm confident that Quebec will stay in Canada, that this country will stay united, even though there's still a separatist movement. And I, I think the challenge for Canada will be to carve out a place for itself outside of the uh, shadow of the United States, which, which is often the case because the United States is a superpower and uh, an economic powerhouse uh, and Canada is very dependent on the American economy. One of our challenges is to sort of carve out our own place in the world. 
and I'm I'm confident we ha we're, we're going to be able to do that. But actually, Canada is a bit of a we're a bit of a a crossroads right now. We have to rethink our position in the world as as things change very rapidly. And I'm hoping that the next government of Canada will do that for sure. And just one last question before uh, I let you go, because I don't hold you up for too long, is um, do you, when do you think that the next election will likely be? I, I believe 2023, but I'm not 100% sure because, of course, in the U.S. outlets on everything about Canada. Uh, but when do you believe that there will be a next yeah. big international election like that where Trudeau will likely face a challenge or something like that will happen where he might get unseated or something potentially at that magnitude? Well, well, I, actually, as we are speaking today, and I, I know this, it'll be, or I think our interview will be aired later on, but uh, Mr. Trudeau is expected to launch the election campaign on Sunday, uh, August, uh, what is it, August 15th. 15th, that's uh, the Sunday. Sunday. And, and uh, for a vote that will be held on Monday, September 13th. So a short election campaign, it's about 30 days, just in excess of 30 days. That's the expectation. And if not, maybe a week later, but, but I, I, that's, that'll be what will happen in Canada. He has a minority government now. He'll, he'll be wanting a majority, but uh, and that's his goal nothing is pre- correct. With yeah. the 45 days is to get that. Yes. And nothing's preordained in election campaigns, as as we all know. I mean, it, campaigns count. So we'll we'll just wait and see what the outcome is. But he's in a good position. The polls are are favorable to him right now, and we'll see how that that plays out during the whole election campaign. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I appreciate all the time that you spend today, and I wish you the best and your Jake. wonderful staff. Jacob, thank you very much for everything, and and uh, and it's a pleasure to be able to talk to our our great American friend and neighbor. Bye bye. Great seeing. You.